Welcome to episode 26 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we are going to take a little break from the Women of the Bible series, and we are instead going to discuss the idea of humans being heroes. Now, I've been thinking about this topic for a while, probably some weeks now, and I was actually going to write this episode today. And then my pastor preached a sermon on Samson and what happens when we make mere humans our heroes. And I thought to myself, yes, this is exactly what I wanted to discuss, though I'm not going to be talking about Samson and I'm going to be taking a bit of a different angle than my pastor was. But sometimes I just think it's so funny how a lot of the sermons that my pastors have been preaching recently align with what I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast. So I think that's kind of funny. All right, so let's talk about humans as heroes. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know, I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, I think that this will be a sensitive topic for a lot of people. I think this is one that's hard for us to hear culturally sometimes, and I think that the issue of making humans as heroes can be kind of under the radar and not something that we think about often. And so I pray that uh, you would speak through me and that it would be your words coming out of my mouth and that you would convict people according to your will. Lord, I pray that you would just really be a source of comfort and love and that you would be the one that we turn to for our full worship and our full worth and for everything that we need. We don't need those things from humans. We need those things from you. But you also provide us humans as beautiful examples and as people that we can admire and look up to and that can encourage us in our path to following you. And I thank you for that too. Um, You give us such beautiful relationships and relationships are so important. And I love that about you, Lord. And I pray that our first and foremost and primary relationship would always be with you. Please speak through me. Please let all of your points get through to anyone who's listening and not my own. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start with a little bit of the premise of why I think this episode is necessary. And I want to start by saying that I think looking up to humans and admiring humans in a way that is not sinful, I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think that relationships are really important and that God makes human relationships important. However, I do also think that humans, as humans, we just tend to make people into something that they're not, fulfilling a role that they are not meant to fulfill in our lives. So I do want to draw that distinction. Human relationships, all that very important, but not the most important. So where this episode kind of comes from is me seeing 
us as humans, hero making other humans. And what I mean by hero making is literally making people into the heroes of our lives. Now, I see this in three different distinct ways, so I just kind of briefly want to go over each of those. The first and most obvious is superheroing, and that is really when our culture has this weird obsession with heroes, especially superheroes, and I say it's weird, but actually it kind of makes sense. There's really a million and one Marvel movies, DC movies, superhero movies, TV shows, all kinds of movies and shows that have superheroes in them, lots of books have them comics, etc. And I'm going to be honest, I've never really been particularly interested in superheroes of this nature. I am one to enjoy the occasional Marvel or DC production, but I do get the pull that so many of us feel for superheroes. You know, one who actually righteously comes in and saves the day and our hearts, I think, to some degree really long for that. We really want that salvation. We like that in movies and we like that in real life. We like when everyday people unexpectedly come to the rescue in a life or death situation or a dangerous situation and they save someone or multiple someones from harm. And I think we put those people into like this superhero category, like they're above and beyond amazing people. And I'm not saying we should not admire them. I'm not saying that once again, but I am saying that we actually have what we need and desire, we have that fulfilled in Jesus. That need is totally fulfilled in him. And I want that to be the core of where we're getting at today. The second type of heroing I see is profession heroing. Now, I think this one is a little more insidious. And I think that our culture tends to celebrate people who are doing everyday things, such as their jobs, their profession, And having these hero moments or doing a quote unquote heroic profession. Now, as a former teacher, I have actually been on the receiving end of this. When people tell you that you're noble, you're heroic, you're larger than life. Actually, this is a true story. My dentist told me earlier this year, right before I had stopped teaching, that I was noble for teaching. He thought it was the most noble profession. And I think what they're getting at, what people like my dentist are getting at, is that there are some professions that require the self-sacrifice to different degrees, depending on the profession. And those self-sacrificial moments really benefit society or it can benefit a particular people group like children. And I get that. And I get the intention. And obviously, I think those professions are important. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done one, right? But... But, but, but using hero language when we're talking about mere humans is actually dangerous in ways that we don't always immediately see. And I also want to point out that being called heroic or noble or words like that in regards to my job has always made me feel uncomfortable. And not only do I feel uncomfortable with that, I think for some obvious reasons, but Also, I think when you're on the receiving end of that, if you're in a profession where people say things like that about your profession or about you, it also puts this weird pressure or expectation on you to be self-sacrificing. Like it is now expected of you because you are in this job. 
And I think that can actually lead to justifying or even maybe normalizing unjust practices like underpaying, overworking, not having balance in the home, all of those types of things. And then it becomes an expectation of that profession. And so I also want to mention that that also makes me uncomfortable. The third type of heroing I see is personal heroing. It's the normalized kind. It's where we say that, you know, who is my hero? Oh, my hero is like my friend. It's this family member. It's this artist. It's this icon, the celebrity, whoever. And we hold these people on pedestals and we look up to them while they're on those pedestals because they've done something or they've been something for us and maybe for other people as well. And again, I don't think there is anything wrong with celebrating people or admiring their qualities or having mentors or having really beautiful relationships. In fact, having mentors is wonderful. It's necessary for all of us. We all need that in our lives. But I do think that the problem arises when we move from that admiration of a person to the hero worship of that person. We no longer see their flaws and their sin. Or we justify those things because of the goodness we see in that person. And that too is dangerous. Nobody is perfect. And our need to have a perfect and accessible hero is again always met in Jesus alone. So to that end, I have a few things that I want to talk about today that address this idea of putting humans as our heroes in our hearts instead of having Jesus as our true hero. And really the first thing that I want to look at, the first thing I want to talk about is one, demonstrating goodness to others is how Christians should live. That should be how all of us live. And I think that's part of why we put people in these hero positions because we admire the things that they're doing, which again, there's nothing wrong with admiring that and looking up to that and saying, Hey, this person is really strong in this area and I want to work on that or have that quality to a higher degree, right? But all of us should be demonstrating goodness. It is a fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 say, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Goodness, my friends, should be the norm. It shouldn't be an exception to the rule. I think when we give someone hero status for an act of goodness that we see, sometimes it can allow us to almost separate ourselves from having to do similar good works because that's for heroes. That's for the good people. That's for the ones that, you know, are superhuman in some way. The ones that we admire from afar, maybe, or close up, but they're just better than us. But friends, everyone is human and everyone except Jesus is sinful. So all of those people we look up to, we can admire those qualities. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not an excuse. That person is sinful. It doesn't excuse us from seeing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces goodness. And I think we really need to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, especially when we're interacting with people. 
finding ways to love our neighbors as ourselves, and really looking to God and the Holy Spirit to guide us, to show us how to do that. I don't think that naturally comes out of us because we're good. I think goodness comes when the Holy Spirit is living and active within us. And that goodness naturally flows out of that right relationship with God. Now, I'm going to point to, you know, the classic, the Good Samaritan story as an example of how Jesus talked about us showing goodness and showing love towards other people. And this comes from Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Wow, such a powerful passage. So we are clearly told here that we're to love God first and also to love our neighbor as ourself. And what's really interesting in this passage too is that a lot of different people just bypass the man who was harmed. The priest, the Levite, people you might expect to step in and actually help a man who has just been beaten and robbed. But instead it's a Samaritan who typically did not have great relationships with the Jewish people and he stops and he takes care of this man and goes out of his way and shows him love. This is how we're meant to treat people. Our neighbors are not just the people who look like us, act like us, believe like us. The other thing I wanted to point out here is that really faith without works is dead. We are meant to show and demonstrate our faith. That's not to say we're saved in any way by the works that we do. That is very clear in the Bible. We're not saved by our good works. We can't earn salvation. But as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and of our faith in God, we do good works. It's part of it. It flows out of that. And in James 2, James is discussing prejudice against the poor and favor for the rich and that being sinful. And then he says, starting in verse eight, 
Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Some strong words here by James. I think, all in all, though, one thing that we can really think about is how in this passage we are radically meant to serve others, to love our neighbors through our good works. It is a physical and natural outpouring of our faith and not to earn favor with God, but to act out, to live out the faith that we have. Second point, we shouldn't use heroism as an excuse to abuse people to treat them poorly or to protect criminal actions from consequences and accountability. I know this is a very big point here, but I think that what I'm getting at is, is, is this link to profession heroing. I think we can honor and appreciate people without heroizing them. And yes, I'm just making up that word. <laughs> we don't get to use the term hero to excuse the mistreatment of people. Again, this kind of goes back to the idea of underpaying, overworking people, expecting them to give up their personal lives, the way that is often expected of teachers to be self-sacrificing at the expense of, of themselves and their families. I think that if people choose to do that as, as a way to serve God, then that's on them. But we can't expect that of other people because that's an abusive expectation. And I think this concept too, beyond teachers, of course, there's way more professions than that, that experience that. And that could be like nurses, delivery folks, even more professions. And we're meant to love and serve others and not use people as a means to an end that benefits us and harms them. We're not meant to do that. We are meant to treat people with love and respect. In Philippians 2, Paul actually discusses fellowship of believers and says, starting in verse 3, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Right? So we're not meant to just make people into to objects and, and things and, and not look at them as real human beings. We're meant to look at them as better than ourselves and to be humble and to love them. I think on another note here, heroizing some professions can also lead to not holding them accountable for the harm that they've done to other people. This can surely apply to teachers, but also heroizing police officers, and especially when those police officers are the ones who have committed unwarranted harm against Black Americans and are not held accountable for their crimes. If a police officer has harmed a Black American in any way that is unwarranted, that's injustice. And Christians are surely called to love and serve the oppressed, people who are facing racism. We are all one, and we are all equal in Christ. There is no room for racism in that equation. Racism is sinful. And to that point, I want to revisit that section of James 2 that I just read earlier. And in verse 9, there's this key verse that says, But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. We are not to hold some races above others. We are not to do that. We are all one in Christ. We are to love and serve people who are being oppressed. And I think that includes holding professions accountable who are upholding racism or harming people because of their race. If a person in a profession, such as a police officer, has harmed someone due to racism, that is unjust. And that is a system of oppression. And we are to love people who are facing oppression. Point number three, mere humans, meaning not Jesus, are always going to fail. The non-Jesus heroes of the Bible are full of flaws, are full of sins, are full of mistakes. They're real people, all of them. All of them have sin. They're not just characters in a book. They're real live people. And while goodness should actually be the norm, I think we should also recognize that all humans fall short because we all have a sin problem. So we should, like I said in the first point, be demonstrating goodness as an outpouring of the fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives within us. But also we must recognize that we have a serious problem with sin and we are made right with God only through faith in Jesus and not through our own works, even if our own works are meant to show goodness. I want to read from Romans 3 to this point. And here Paul is discussing the old law and how it shows us how sinful we really are. And starting in verse 21, he says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God 
when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. It is through Jesus that we are saved. Fourth, our hearts will only find fulfillment in worshiping God and will never find fulfillment in worshiping people. A lot of that has to do with the fact that people are going to disappoint us. People are sinful. They're terrible gods. They will fail us when we see their flaws, when we see their sin. And when they do, we see that we cannot find permanent or true fulfillment in worshiping them. We just can't. People are too disappointing. They are not perfect. There's only one who is perfect. Now, in 1 John 5, at the end of John's letter, he discusses Christians and sin, and he says, starting in verse 20, We know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we believe in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. And I think that that anything includes people. It includes humans. It includes people that we are hero worshiping in our heart, whether we are aware of that or not. And really, we only find that true fulfillment when we're worshiping God as we are designed to do and not when we're worshiping humans. And if you want to hear more on the topic of worship, I would recommend episode number five. Point number five and the last point. Jesus is our true hero in every sense of the word. Jesus is our true hero. He's our advocate. He's our high priest. He is our savior. He is everything our hearts are looking for. I think we love superheroes because our hearts are designed to love Jesus. Jesus is the superhero. He's the one who comes in. But he doesn't come in with superhero power as he emptied himself to come to earth, to pay for our sins, to give himself up in every sense of the word, that we might be made in right relationship with God. And I'd like to revisit Romans 3 briefly, just a few verses, starting in verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. We had a problem. Jesus came and redeemed and saved us. He is our true hero, and I think he is the hero that our hearts crave, and we will only be satisfied and quenched when we are fully worshiping him. All right, let's summarize. (laughs) I know that was a lot. Okay, first point, demonstrating goodness to others is how Christians should live. It is a fruit of the spirit. Secondly, we shouldn't use heroism 
as an excuse to abuse people, treat them poorly, or protect criminal actions from consequences and accountability. Third, mere humans, not Jesus, are always going to fail. Fourth point, our hearts will only find fulfillment in worshiping God, not people. And lastly, Jesus is our true hero in every sense of the word. God, thank you that you have rescued us. Thank you that you take care of us and you love us. And you are the one our hearts desire above all else. I pray that we would repent as needed of our worship of humans. They are always disappointing because they are sinful. But you knew that we would be sinful. And you sent your son Jesus to be our savior and our redeemer. And we are now in right relationship with you if we believe in him. We love you, God. And we thank you that you are everywhere present and that you are always with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.